welcome to another episode of the Agile Weekly Podcast. I'm Jade Meskill. I'm Roy Vanderwater. And I'm Clayton Langlesigich. So Clayton, uh, you're, you're trying a new approach to coaching a, a team that you're working with, and we, we wanted to talk about that a little bit. Tell, tell us a little bit about what you're doing. Yeah, so a little bit of background. Um, the team is kind of this collection, I would say misfits, but if you've seen the movie Bad News Bears, it's kind of like that. <laughs> wow. So I, I have not. <laughs> well, imagine that you have. Is it like Breakfast Club? <laughs> in, the, in that there are people in the movie, yes. It's is the it, same thing. Is it like any of the three Star Wars movies? <laughs> okay, so there's this collection of misfits. And and the kind of the approach I have been taking was I, I wanted to be prescriptive about something. So I always have go, like go back and forth between organic learning or being really prescriptive. And so I thought, well, I want to be kind of prescriptive because I want to accelerate things, but I don't want to be prescriptive about stuff like process. So I don't want to say, like, we have to do stand-ups or we have to do Scrum or we have to have a product owner. But I thought, what if I'm prescriptive about the principles and the values? And so as far as being prescriptive goes, that has actually gone pretty well. So things like, um, you know, being open about what we're working on and visualizing the work and uh, collaboration and all, all those kind of things. And then the other approach I've been taking <clears throat> that's actually probably had the most benefit, there's kind of two things. One is I'm pretending like they're already an awesome team. And so when mm. topics come up, um, rather than saying like, well, they'll ask a question about something like, how, do, how would a team handle this? And, and rather than saying like, well, a high-performing team would do X, Y, Z, I just say, oh, I think maybe if you guys did this, uh, that would work. And they kind of look around. And then that's the next part comes in is you can do anything you want. So I always laugh when Jade does the you can do anything you want, but there are consequences, right? Mm-hmm. And so I've been trying to get them to believe in this kind of fantasy land where they live in this reality where they're already awesome and they can do anything they want. And so some of the things that I've done on accident that have helped a lot, um, we set up pairing stations. So one of the things that I was being prescriptive about was collaboration. And so rather than trying to work on a bunch of these different projects all at once um, with a bunch of different people siloing, I said, hey, let's set up a parent station. So I actually did that for them and made it really easy to use them. And it worked out in my favor that no one's machine was set up to work on any of the projects, and the only th- machine that was was the parent station. So and, they just grabbed it. And this was a team that hadn't paired before. Like, they, they were not... Yeah, they from- had, like, a little bit of exposure, but not really. Right. <clears throat> and so part of the parent station problem that we had was the monitors were really bad. So I went out one day, and I just bought new monitors. And I came back, and they were all like, how did you get new monitors? You're like, you didn't go through IT. I'm like, yeah, I just bought them. I'm like, you can do that? And I wasn't trying to make like, a case out of this, right? But I was like, yes, I can. I'm an adult. I went to the store, and I purchased them, and there was this transaction, and now we have new monitors. And so it was totally on accident, but that was, I think, like the first thing where they saw, like, oh, wow, you really can do anything. You know, like, there's this thing that I thought was impossible, but then you did it. Uh, and so then all the conversations we've been having around like actual code things or technical practices or whatever, I think the barrier of that's impossible, I've never seen that before, has kind of whittled away at this point. Because it's like they're willing to pretend now that anything they can do these things, anything's possible. Hmm. And so what are, what are the results that you've seen so far from, from this experiment? Well, I think they're making, um, like they're making good choices. Because one of the things I've been trying to emphasize is uh, the kind of the concept of if you see a problem, it's your problem now. So mm-hmm. if you, you know, insist on it, you t- or if you tolerate it, you insist on it. So if you see something that you think there's a better way of doing something, then go ahead and do it. Like Take ownership. So it started out where the board was kind of disorganized. And people were saying, well, I don't understand what the board means. Okay, then make it better. Oh, we can do that. And so they went and made it better. The next day, like, well, I don't really understand how the board flows or like whatever. I don't understand what projects they are. Oh, someone said, I think we should color code them. Great, go color code them. So like doing whatever they want 
it seems like they're doing whatever they want, but they're really doing the things that are just helping them be effective. Mm. Um, and so I've seen a lot of collaboration. Um, they actually are pairing on everything, uh, like kind of just by necessity. You know, not there's not one person that knows everything, and so they've gotten so much benefit out of um, collaborating on the work that I think they're they're kind of falling in that as just a habit. You know, I, I don't think they're necessarily trying to find a way out of that. It's not like they're doing that just because they need to. Um, I think they're actually really enjoying it, and they're having a lot of fun. Uh, the other thing I've seen is that at the end of the day, they look like they're actually like mentally exhausted from mm-hmm. pairing all day, and they look like they're ready to, to go home, you know, where before there was a lot of like idle time and just like kind of bored thumb twiddling, you know, and that's mm-hmm. kind of, I think, like the status quo uh, for that organization. But these guys seem like they're really engaged the entire time. So it's kind of interesting because you brought up the fact that this is like, uh, from your coaching experience, it sounds like this is one of the teams you've been the most prescriptive with. Yet right. they seem to have the impression that they can do whatever they want. Yeah, so I, I had heard a conversation that they were having with uh, someone on their team where they said, oh, yeah, it's really awesome. We just get to do whatever we want, which is really not the case. I mean, I think if they got to actually do whatever they wanted, they would probably be doing something different. But because I'm able to kind of guide them along with the principles, you know, with, if there's an idea, you know, we're using Decider, so everyone's kind of trying to support the best idea. And so when something comes up, I think they're in the habit now of saying, like, um, okay, I have this idea, make a Decider or a proposal, and it passes, and if something maybe needs to get tweaked a little bit, we can just make a new decider and kind of alter it a bit, right? Or you can we can uh, investigate what that behavior is or get their intention. Like, why do you... Uh, one an example that came up the other day was they didn't want to have a rule about pairing on all the production code. And I think maybe normal coaching stuff would be like, well, this person wants to go off and do their own thing because they don't like pairing. In reality, it was, I want to have more time to learn by myself. And so the best way to learn is to actually do the work. So I thought, okay, that makes sense. So they wanted to go home and do the work on their own to, to learn, right? And so right. some of the other people on the team thought, um, you know, hey, that takes away an opportunity for me to learn. So we were able to negotiate some way to talk about how do we can like, satisfy all those needs on the team. Um, and so it's like the team is doing what they want, but I think they're still sticking to the principle of all the production code is paired, collaborated code. Gotcha. So what do you, what do you think has been one of the most powerful th- ideas that you've tried out uh, you talked about pretending. Uh, what, what's one of the other things that you've done that you think has allowed this team to kind of be able to enter into this new reality and just uh, accept it? Um, I think a couple of the things that have been really powerful um, were kind of like to snap them out of the current environment, I guess. So the very first day that we were a team, there was a lot of angst about why we had formed as a new team and what we were doing here, and like, why, why did I get picked to be on this team and not these other people? And I said, um, I said I'm going to go on an adventure and go to Michael's and buy some supplies to make a new physical board. Who wants to come with me? And this was at, I don't know, 9.30 or something. And there were two people that kind of looked at me strangely like, you're going to go where? Like, but it's work time, you know? And we went, and I think it's stuff like that. Like those little moments where... I just modeling that behavior of reinforcing that you can do whatever you want and you can make the work like the workspace better or the work better or how you're doing the work better. Um, those are the kind of things I think that had the biggest wins. So you just kind of took on the authority of, um, uh, we can just do this. We can go wherever we want. We can do whatever we want right out of the gate. Yeah. Cause I think, you know, from my perspective, you know, I think, um, obviously my boundaries maybe as like a, consultants are much wider than theirs are at least their perceived boundaries but i'm kind of trying to maximize that and be super vocal about it normally 
I probably would have gone to Michael's anyway, but I wouldn't have said, I'm going on an adventure. Who wants to come with me? But just that kind of thing. And so... <laughs> that was the Jenga board that just... Oh, that. probably. The, the life-size Jenga that, that just was, crashed. That was my fault. I may have built a Jenga tower up to the ceiling. <laughs> anyway. And so, yeah, like I think just being the person who like is really like being this outlandish, I do whatever I want type person, but very, you know, I'm not doing anything that's totally crazy. I mean, it's stuff that I think to them seems crazy, but... Really, it's, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, pretty vanilla stuff. Yeah. So I think the idea that uh, they believe that they can do whatever they want is very interesting in that uh, you've kind of put them in this sandbox where there are boundaries and there are uh, constraints to what they're doing that are totally outside what their normal behavior is. Yes. Right? You've set some very strange expectations on them, but they don't seem to feel like those are even there. Right? It's, it's completely invisible to them. That those things are even happening. Yeah, we had one where they were like stressing uh, about going to a meeting where they thought they all all five people had to go to this meeting, and I said, okay, well, I don't want to go to that meeting. And they looked at me like, well, you have to go. You're on the team. I said, I don't really care if I, I don't want to go to this meeting. I don't care about it. I think anyone should be free to go or not go. And but whatever decisions get made, you have to go along with those. So if you guys go to this meeting and make some choice, I'm fine with that. And I think that kind of stuff is like, well, that's crazy. Like, you would not go to a meeting and then be okay with what other people said, and you don't want to have your hand in the cookie jar and you know micromanage me. You know, like that was a crazy experience, right? I think one of the freeing things about that, though, is it sounds like it removes all excuses. Like, I've dealt with quite a few teams where they're like, well, we're in meetings all day, and like we can't leave, and they're a waste of my time, and I know that I'm not even necessary, but I can't talk to my manager about it. It's like all those excuses are gone because it's like you just don't go. Yes. Yeah, I've talked to a lot of people about that, and they're like, well, maybe in your fantasy world, you can just get up and leave from a meeting. Right. I tell them, no, like, just get up and, and leave. And, but they don't believe it. Right. I wonder why not. Why, why, do you, why do your people believe that that's okay? Is it because you're modeling the behavior? Right. So I think the two things that I'm using for that type of thing is I'm saying that all I care about are results. I don't care at all about effort. So if you put mm. a bunch of effort in, that's used, like, totally, you're, like, we have that last You're dumb. You're right. dumb, right? Right. <laughs> um, so I'm saying all I care about results, but... I'm also saying that I demand excellence and that we should be continuously improving. So maybe you were getting results last iteration, but now let's get more results or better results or whatever. Mm. Like, let's do more. Um, and so I think those two things kind of, it's like the two edges of the sword. You know, I'm not, they're not like going to, I'm not worried about them becoming lazy and saying like, oh, we're getting results and we only have to work four hours a day and we just kind of kick back, you know, because we value demanding excellence or we value um, continuous improvement. There's always something that you can do better, right? Mm. So how would you uh, how would you have somebody else who would like to try this approach? What what are some of the tools in the toolbox that you think they need to pull this off? Um, I think the core protocols are, have been very helpful. Um, I've been really trying to get them to use Ask for Help, and I've tried to, been trying to stress to them that they can do anything if they just ask for help. Mm. You know, ask for enough help, and you can do anything you want. Um, I think the decider has helped a lot, and then I've personally been using Investigate and Intention Check. Um, to try and uncover some of the, you know, second or third level reasons why they think they can't do something or why they, you know, have some problem with this or whatever. Um, and that's been, that's helped me to uncover some things and then make proposals to solve those problems. So I think the core protocols have been very helpful. Um, I think the thing the probably the biggest thing for me is probably just modeling that behavior. Um, you know, not only just telling them like, I think if I were to tell them you can do whatever you want and it's up to you and you're, you know, all powerful, blah, blah, blah. And then I left, I think that would that's like what they're used to. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. like the manager coming in and saying like, "Oh, you're self-organizing," and then I leave and I don't reinforce that. 
So I think actually telling them that stuff and then being in the physical space with them um, and helping them when they ask for help and then you know showing them like with the monitor thing, even though that was unintentional, that worked out totally awesome. You know, well, it's because you were living out the thing that you exactly. believe. Right? Yeah, you know, it, I don't want to wait. It's like frustrating, you know. And even that, like from my perspective, I was I went slow on that and I stalled when I probably shouldn't have. You know, I should have mm-hmm. done something else, but I waited a little too long. So from my perspective, that was probably you know bad behavior in terms of slowing things down just to be comfortable but from their perspective but for so them fast, it, yeah know. it was like this you know rebel without a cause he went and bought monitors you know. popped his collar yeah I, see, I was like james dean for a day <laughs> going to michael's by arts and craft supplies and monitors it's, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Regular, regular james dean. <laughs> pretty re- pretty rebellious <laughs> so uh so what's next for your experiment that you're trying here um, I think the next thing that I'm going to try is I'm going to really try and get them to like use Ask for Help as a default. Um, they just participated in a hackathon, and I told them that I would help them with whatever they wanted, but they had to ask for help. So it's the only way they could interact with me. And so that was kind of frustrating, I think, for a little bit. For but, you, you mean? Uh, no, not for me. I think they were mad about that because oh. I had to keep saying, like, oh, are you asking for my help? Do you use a protocol? You know, and all that stuff. And... But I think they got better and better and better. So I really would like to see, to try and like reinforce that enough so that when they get stuck with something, they, are, they have no problem asking for help from anybody. So right now I think there's probably something that is in their work queue where they need to go talk to somebody to get access to like a repository of files and they're stuck. So I want them to, like, I want that light bulb to go off to be able to say, like, hey, we should go ask that guy for help. Like, mm. hey, so-and-so, I'm going to walk over to your cubicle and be like, hey, will you help me get access to this? Because I bet you that would work. Mm-hmm. But that's just not what they're used to. You know, that's not the that's not the way of doing things. You know, they're used to send an email and wait and like go through all the polite channels and all that stuff. Right. So I think that's my my next experiment is to see if we can start using Ask for Help for almost everything. Cool. One last thing how how have you dealt with like the urge to rescue them when you see them doing dumb yeah that's things? been really hard um, especially <laughs> during the hackathon you know that was really difficult. Um, the one thing that I've I found that was helpful is I would just try and ask questions um, about stuff. You know, One of the questions I asked for the hackathon was, oh, that looks really cool. Um, where can I go see it? Or can I send that link to somebody? And so then it was like, well, no, you can't because it's, it's on the internet. Like, oh, that's too bad. <laughs> that's rough for a web app. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that, that triggered the like, oh, will you help us set it up? And I was like, yeah, sure, I'll do that. And so I think that's kind of like backhanded rescuing. So I probably need to stop doing that too. But mm-hmm. um, and I think fighting the urge to rescue is... I don't know. I don't think I figured that out yet. What do you think would have happened if you if you were rescuing them all the time? I think that would have made like I would have been like this linchpin where they wouldn't have been able to do anything without me. Um, mm-hmm. And I certainly don't want to be in that position. You know, I don't want the team to be non-functioning after I leave. And and so I think if I were to rescue them the whole time, they wouldn't have learned a whole lot. There's a whole bunch that they learned, and I think they really have grown as a team by being frustrated. So I've seen people sitting there like pairing and someone said like, man, I'm really frustrated. I don't understand what's going on. And the other person's like, well, let me just finish. You know, like those are the kind of things where I think if I were jumping in and being like, Oh, let me explain it to you. Like they wouldn't have that shared experience as a team Mm -hmm. of being frustrated and getting mad at somebody that you're pairing with. Like, I think those are like such big building blocks for having that good conflict. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. You know, like where one person has to slow down for the other person and, and having the discussion of how did we get here and all that stuff. Awesome. Well, uh, hopefully we'll hear more about how, how this progresses with your team. If you guys have any uh, different or uh, exciting ways that you've interacted with the team and, and helped get them to high performance, we'd love to talk to you about it. 
Uh, look for us on Facebook, and we'll catch you next week. If there's something you'd like to hear in a future episode, head over to integrumtech.com slash podcast where you can suggest a topic or a guest. Looking for an easy way to stay up to date with the latest news, techniques, and events in the Agile community? Sign up today at agileweekly.com. It's the best Agile content delivered weekly for free. I'm Sharon. And I'm Diana. Leadership's not easy, is it? The dilemmas of leadership, the challenges, they're not alone in their struggle. They want to be a better leader. Yeah. Listen, it's good. Nothing but the truth. Partnerships and Possibilities, a podcast on leadership. Find us on iTunes. The Agile Weekly Podcast is brought to you by Integrum Technologies and recorded at Gangplank Studios in Chandler, Arizona. For old episodes, check out integrumtech.com or subscribe on iTunes. Need help with your Agile transition? Have a question and need to phone a friend? Try calling the Agile Hotline. It's free. Call 866-244-8656.